0: We should start the show because this is all good content we should be using.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Kathy, do you want to start us? Sure.
1: I guess. What order, what order are we going Welcome back to the in?
2: fascinating <laughs> Clay. <laughs> uh, it's Kathy, Matt, you, me, bud.
1: Kathy, you, me, Matt.
2: The order you made up.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> Dude. I didn't
1: make it up.
2: Yeah. yeah. I can't believe you interrupted Kathy when she was starting. How many to- times I have to
1: tell you the ancient Phoenicians made it up for
3: me? <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to the fascinating podcast. I'm Kathy Kong.
0: I'm Matt Movie Latos.
2: I'm Clay Morgan. And I'm JR. Forresteros. This is episode 293, and today we're going to be talking about the Oscars and doing a deep dive on one of our favorite films of the year, Minari. Uh, But before that, I have to ask if you all have heard of a man named Jespar Brodin.
1: Nobody. No, no. Okay,
2: so he is the (laughs) president of Ikea, and uh, for some reason... They thought that uh, maybe being a president of a corporation would make him a good fit to be the president of Sweden. And so he is now, <laughs> he's just just taken over as the president of Sweden, and you will never guess what his first act as president is. It's already causing waves all over.
1: Give me. the people free meatballs. No.
2: No, he's assembling his cabinet. <laughs>
1: oh, 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 oh. Assembling his cabinet.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's not really a story of the week. uh, It's more of a Twitter joke of the week. First, uh, first
2: Norway. Now, Sweden. Watch out, Finland. I'm coming for a pun from you next. Oh,
1: no. Okay. Do you think that he created Ikea as like a Trojan horse to sell the meatballs, which is like a huge part of it? Or do you think that it was really all about the furniture?
0: Uh, I, I went to IKEA yesterday and I bought no meatballs. What? Yeah.
2: Honestly, if I'm going to buy something from IKEA's food service, it's going to be their cinnamon rolls.
0: They
1: do pump that smell through. It's like here's a couch, and then 700 more, and also smell cinnamon rolls.
0: Yeah, but the other thing is you can't find your way to where the restaurant is.
1: I wonder if they get credit for creating like the whole escape room phenomenon, because like getting out of an, <laughs> an IKEA is like really a puzzle. Do you
0: guys remember I mean, that prank video where uh, they built a fake room in Ikea where they could roll the wall back and forth and they would like yeah. let people in and then roll the <laughs> wall in and people are like, how do we get out of this oh, room? no. And they would like sneak people in when they weren't looking and they're like, how did you get in here? Like, <laughs> oh, my right? gosh. No. So funny. No.
3: But they always have food like at the as you're exiting. That's true. So you don't necessarily need to find the restaurant. You just need to... Get to the
2: checkout line.
0: I got yeah. legitimately trapped in Ikea once. Uh, I went in. Are you and- are you <laughs>
2: broadcasting from an Ikea right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I've I been there ever been since. Been I've been here for, yeah, three years now. <laughs> it's been a, a rough, rough way. Um, yeah, I went in and I guess the showroom wasn't open yet. Like it was like a little early. So they let you in and you could go upstairs into the restaurant. And then I was like, oh, man, I don't have time to wait here. I didn't realize they opened so late. So I'm like, I need to leave. And they're like, we're sorry, sir, you can't go down the stairs. I was like, can I take the elevator? No. I was like, how do I get out? They're like, well, you can't until we open. And I was like, so if there's a fire, I'm trapped here. They're like, well, no, you can use the fire door. I was like, okay, I'll use the fire door. And they're like, no, you're going to set off the alarms. And I was like, listen, <laughs> you can't hold me here. <laughs> You've got to let me out. Don't you can't you? make like me you're-
2: stay. Sounds like you're telling me to light something on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: So they had to call a manager to come and let me out the front door. But I was like, I legitimately am a, like, I was texting Krista. I was like, I'm trapped at Ikea. And I think I'm going to go out the fire door and run for my car. Like
1: I'm
2: not sure. <laughs> <laughs> JR. Uh, Grady.
1: Go ahead. Do you think your wife, Amanda, is still laughing at the pun you made four minutes ago?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> Assembling yep. his cabinet. Yep.
2: It's a good one. Um, Grady Hendrix wrote a novel called Horror Store. uh, That's about it takes place in an Ikea. Well, it's not an Ikea. It's wink, wink, not an Ikea.
0: um, Oh, wink, wink. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's terrific. Uh, Does a good job of making that place scary. Like you said, like the endless maze of ever shifting product.
0: Well, that's Jr.'s fascinating pick of the week. He doesn't get any more.
2: <laughs> so okay. Well, let's, talk, one. let's mm-hmm. talk about movies. So, I think all four of us watched the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Kathy yes. and I were tweeting well, back and forth.
1: I watched. I only watched the last like thirty minutes, and apparently, like all of the recap stuff that people cared about happened literally the moment I turned it on. So, I really lucked out. Aside from Best Director, early on in the night.
2: Yeah. So, uh, obviously, this Oscars was fairly different. So, first, it was actually in person. Um, I think it's the first awards show to not be entirely virtual this year. Um, Certainly the biggest one. Uh, So, everyone was uh, uh, vaccinated and socially distanced, and they had done masks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm curious. It was directed by Steven Soderbergh, which is, again, a pretty interesting thing. What did you all think of the –
1: Who is that? he's a director he's a right?
2: director
1: yeah, yeah but like for people who don't know what has he directed
2: uh he directed what was that heist movie set in west virginia with uh adam driver oh, and channing Tatum? lucky he did, um, he did uh he what watch traffic that,
0: right
2: <clears throat> uh-huh he did uh one of the one of the disease movies contagion uh, <laughs> i think
0: yeah contagion
2: <laughs> yep
0: that sounds cool. awful an interesting
2: show. Ocean, oh, Ocean's Eleven, meeting.
1: Contagion, Traffic, Sex Lies Videotape, Logan Lucky. At first, I thought it was Steven Sondheim, and I got real excited. Why <laughs> <laughs> Clay? Clay. <laughs> because wait, who's that Clay? Uh, he's <laughs> a he. He works more on the stage, and uh, my favorite Sondheim work is probably Assassins, the musical about the presidential assassins. But uh, yeah, very different individual.
2: Well, they could, they could be similar. They just had different bodies of work. It's true. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm curious uh, what you thought of the overall. I mean, they, they didn't have a host again this year, second year in a row. They didn't have a host. Um, they didn't. I thought they really steered away from jokes almost entirely, with the exception of one notable bit that I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, what, what did you think overall of the, the tone this year, of the the feel of the ceremony in general?
0: I I enjoyed, like, they gave the people who won more time uh, to kind of say their thank yous. There wasn't the music playing them off. And I guess they asked everyone, presenters and people who were winning, if they had time to, like, share something about why they love movies or an insight from their career. And I actually thought that was really enjoyable. Like, it felt a little more informal and more personal um, for most people. And that, but on the flip side, I feel like the place they chose, which was Grand Central Station somewhere, apparently, the sound quality was terrible. Like there was echoes sometimes. You could hear noise in the background. Uh, it just, it didn't feel, um, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's what was part of the informal thing they were going for, or if it's just where they ended up, but I found it a little distracting that you couldn't always, you could hear everything, but it just, it sounded like Aaron wasn't fixing our podcast to me, like lots of <laughs> echoes and things not quite right. And, and they didn't do the songs. Like typically they yeah. have someone perform the different Oscar nominated songs and they didn't do that this year. And I missed that. Actually. I like that part of it.
3: They did that in the pre-show.
0: Oh, they did. They
3: did. So, okay. So
0: I missed the pre-show. Yeah. So
3: Peter and I were really committed. Mostly I was really committed. <laughs> To all of that, and um, because we love movies, and I love finger food, so <laughs> I had prepared finger food for us for dinner.
0: <laughs> we ordered a uh, we ordered Korean food. You our, did, yeah. Mm. Well, we got teriyaki from that's owned by Koreans, <laughs> technically.
3: <laughs> so yeah, so they did, uh, and I did, they weren't live. they were recorded -recorded pre-recorded live performances Mm -hmm. of the songs. But yes, I missed kind of that weaving in through the actual ceremony and the ceremony was weird. And it just, it was a little strange.
2: Yeah. When you say weird, like off moments.
3: Yeah. I feel like production quality wasn't great. Um, it was strange to see people so spread apart. I know that that's part of keeping everyone safe, but it also made it look like people didn't like each other. So, and then um, I didn't mind the lack of bad jokes and the attempt at humor and social awkwardness like that i i could do without every year it's just no
1: ricky gervais is always better for humanity
3: like it's always cringy and like a little awkward and you it could go south really easily um i'm
1: with you kathy on that point like why why do we need that at the oscars ever there's so many places where a lot of people who like comedy, who like stand-up comedy, who like that kind of comedy. Right. There's so many places where you could do that. Watch Comedy Central roast. all these things. Right. It's Why like the, the Oscars? Oscars is like this mainstream. I never understand for all the ways that producers could get attention. That one is just, it makes the rest of us feel bad. All right? Because it's like nobody wants to sit and watch a roast unless you're the kind of person who likes watching roasts.
3: Right. Right. And it. And it's such an strange time for that on on multiple levels right so it's it's a super like high fa- oh and then I also miss the like the high fashion there was still fashion but not as the red carpet I really love that kind of stuff so um it was there but not really it was strange
0: it was kind of saw, strange uh, there was one woman who I only saw sitting in the background I didn't see the pre-show who had a gigantic yes. dress. Mm-hmm. Like it she was like sitting a all by herself. Dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one could get near her. Like mm-hmm. It looked like she had six feet. maybe. Yes. Do, you, do you know who that was? No, I,
3: I don't, remember. but I joked about having the occasion to wear a dress like that <laughs> so that people would stay away from me.
0: <laughs> it looked like right? it right? Like
3: I would. It's look, like
2: your perfect dress, right? Yeah,
3: I would look fabulous and people would have to stay away. <laughs> so I would not <laughs> have to engage in awkward conversation with somebody
1: the fashion the fashion is not my focus but the recap stuff i did here was was pretty excited about it jen was telling me some of this stuff and a lot of people were i mean i i think probably from a human level a lot of these stars are like it's been a rough year we probably shouldn't show up looking like the queen and making everybody like disconnect from us even more right um but like there were a lot of custom things that i heard people excited about that i don't understand about olivia looked amazing Zendaya. I'm
2: interested in hearing how y'all don't see where the roast part fits in. <laughs> For me, it makes total sense because this started out as like a very, it, it always has been like a very insider navel gazing sort of ceremony. And so I think, I think the roast has always been a part of it as a way to just say like, let's, let's remember as we're all slapping each other on the back and giving awards, like let's, let's, let's chill out a little bit. Mm. You know. It's, we're I also going to take it turn
0: t- kind of mean spirit right. for a few
1: years Billy like. crystal is different than ricky gervais for one thing i think we like, hope you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i i i despise ricky gervais
2: <clears> yes it's <throat> that i there's no mystery there. little. yeah no uh
1: yeah i mean you go back to the day right the, the oscars would happen and people would hear like they would see like the newsreel the next day like at the uh, 8th Annual Academy Awards last night, it's Hattie McDaniel taking home, you know, and you see like a clip of it, right? <laughs> Walking up and accepting it. But um, yeah, Kathy, especially to your point where this is this powerful medium where real issues and all of these things can be addressed and where we're seeing hopefully barriers push these days and we are seeing more diversity celebrated. <laughs> it's like, let's pan to these folks who are trying to like, change things in significant ways and important issues. And, um, it's just a difference in, in the way that tone hits, I think at certain times. Right.
2: I, but I think I, that, Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just
0: going to say, I did think it was funny when they'd have like, okay, sound mixing. And that, there's like six guys involved and someone's in the audience with a handheld camera and they'll say someone's name and they're like panning between four different tables which I know they were doing on purpose, but it felt a little bit like, whoa, yeah. like I'm on a, I'm on one of those roller coaster rides. that keeps turning.
3: Yeah. yeah. Or I'm getting old and I just, I don't like this cool video handheld kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I am getting old and I don't like that. So there's that. But, you know, to your point, JR, I think it's one thing that that's what it started out as. I think the the show itself has tried to change. And yet that was the thing that they kept holding on to. So they tried to make it relevant. They tried to let some of the humor or the commentary include what was going on in the world. They had to acknowledge the shift or the um, push for change and diversity as more and more people of color were watching and paying attention and saying, hey, I spend money watching movies and I want to see more of X, that they held on to this kind of weird part of the navel gazing, which... Matt, like you said, became mean. Seth MacFarlane,
1: too, was there?
3: Yeah, it was just kind of um, uh, as, and for me as a woman of color, a lot of that roasting doesn't work well in diverse settings when the person delivering the joke is a bleep,
0: bleep. White, white man. Maybe. <laughs> often, so, often. Neither of those are bad words. You can. say No,
3: them those weren't the words I was thinking of <laughs> in my head.
0: Well, those <laughs> weren't the words.
3: Those oh, weren't oh, the oh, words I that I was you're thinking in association is, with white men that, thinking that they can a jerk.
0: Maybe. Is that, that what also, you're
3: not the word. Yes. I mean, but that's the mean, that's the essence I was getting word. at.
1: Oh, Matt, you
0: do network TV voiceovers. Matt, say sludge. I believe uh, <laughs> Kathy is trying to say that they might be unkind individuals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so let's talk about some of the uh, let's talk about some of the categories. Were, were there uh, excluding excluding best picture and the way the show ended? Were there any particular awards that you really were excited about uh, that you wanted to call attention to? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Go for it.
0: Um, well, the the Oscar awards is
2: that okay, so I'll start fine. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, the animated feature almost always goes to a Pixar movie, which irritates me because nearly never is it true that the Pixar movie was the best animated feature that year. Um, this year it went to soul, which was a Pixar film. And this was actually a year where I felt like in terms purely of animation, it was, it was a deserving winner. Um, I thought it should have been Wolfwalkers sure I I think a strong argument can be made for Wolfwalkers and I prefer Wolfwalkers as a film overall but particularly the first 30 minutes or so of Soul had animation I had never seen in my life before and it looked really incredible Uh, Mm -hmm. Wolfwalkers though for me also was a joy start to finish and had some really innovative animation stuff too
0: I noticed it was the only traditional animated film on the list this year
2: yeah so, um, yeah, so it, uh, it, many of you, I'm sure, have not seen Wolf Walkers. You absolutely should. Matt even liked it, and he, you know how he feels about Wolf. Mm. Scared.
0: I was scared from the beginning to the end of that film, <clears throat> and it was it still was like. Really? No, I watched it with Micah, actually, and we both really liked it. And she was excited about that category, and they said, oh, Sol, when Soul won, she was like, Soul, Soul, did I see that one? And I was like, yeah, you saw it? We watched it right here. And she's like, yeah, I don't remember. I started describing it. She's like, Oh yeah, that one. It's like, she was so bored.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, I did not think soul was a good film, but in terms of what it accomplished with animation, I thought it, I thought it was, it definitely earned the award.
1: Yeah, I can see that. And I did only see a couple of these movies. I, I just, in general, I missed a lot of movies that were up for Oscars this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I would also like to call out uh Jun Yoon uh who won for Minari which we'll talk mm-hmm. about more in a minute. But I didn't I didn't catch this. Uh so Brad Pitt introduced her Yeah, it was hilarious. Award. Why do you say that, Kathy?
3: Um It just was a funny moment of <laughs> Like, where were you the entire time we were filming?
2: Yeah, so she says at the beginning of her speech something like, Oh Brad, it's nice to finally meet. Mm-hmm. You. Uh, Brad Pitt's production company right. funded Minati. Yeah. And apparently he was never on set. So that was the I missed that joke the first time. I didn't I didn't know any of right. that. Is
3: Right. Is it plan uh, B or something like that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. It was pretty funny. And she, then her delivery of it was so Charming and hilarious, and then at you know she says, "Where were you the whole time?" And then she laughs and she covers her mouth in a way that for me was very much like I I know how to laugh like that. I've <laughs> been trained to laugh that way um, as a Korean woman, and she she reminded me of my mom and my grandmother in that moment of just like pulling off a really funny comment that no one expected and a little bit of a dig but then is like ha, 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 <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> there's a so great sweet. clip of her on the red carpet too where uh she was she was doing she stepped up to the mic and she was doing her interview and then, and I don't know who the, the reporter was she said something like um, I guess she had she had said British people are snobby <laughs> and I don't know if it was like it you know didn't come through in translation or if it's exactly what she meant she was like um and she's like, "So, what do you think about Canadians?" And right then, Glenn Close came up, and she kind of turned and she was like, "Glenn," and like she like walked away from the microphone, and she was like, <laughs> "So excited to meet Glenn Close." <laughs> and like they had this whole thing, and there's just silence at the microphone, and you can kind of hear them like, "You were amazing. I'm so excited to meet you." Thirty seconds past, She steps back to the microphone, and she's like, "I've never met Glenn Close. I admire her so much." And uh, <laughs> and then she's like, um. She finished up the interview. She's like, Canadians aren't snobby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Great. So, um, Kathy or Clay, especially since both of you watch much more Korean television than I do, were you familiar with her before this role? I was a not. little bit. Okay. A little bit. I know, um, not of,
3: I have not watched a lot of her work, but I know that she she's not a newcomer. I mean, she's considered um, uh, like, the, the teacher, the... the So, people call her 선생님, which is, translates roughly, teacher. Um, so, she's an expert. She's very respected. She has a long, long list of work. So, she's new here in the U.S., but Koreans are like, we know her. And apparently... I, I, uh- Apparently, she went to the same high school as my mom. Yeah, so Iwa uh, 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 High School. I don't know if she went there for college, but yeah, my mom is
2: Big fans, love to have you on the show. Um <laughs> so let us know. Yes, my she mom said, is
3: an alumni as well. So
2: The, uh, the interviewer strings.
1: said, what does this award mean to you? And she said, um, you know, it's nice to be honored, but it means... I I get another project, right? It, it means more work. It means yeah. a chance to keep to keep doing good work, so that was cool.
2: It I mean, in that way she reminded me a lot of of Bong Joon-ho last year when his, you know, everyone in America is like, "Oh, what an honor finally." And and Bong was more like, "Yeah, it's nice that Americans finally are recognizing that someone else makes movies. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's, I mean, even watching her in Minari and watching her give her speech, like it was just very clear. This was not her first rodeo. You know, I, I mean, not knowing anything about her work, it was clear that she's an incredibly seasoned actor. And so I would, yeah, I was curious what else, Matt, you had said you, you've, uh, at least become familiar with some of her. Uh,
0: yeah. After the fact, right. Like I saw her in the film and, and she's amazing. Right. Um, And then one of my Korean friends, uh, Korean American friends was like, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. I love her. And I said, Well, where do you know her from? And they're like, Oh, there's this uh, reality show in Korea, where she takes actors into other countries to do pop up restaurants. And they're like, it's just so it's fun. It's life affirming. She's hilarious. And they're like, you know, you get to see your, fami- your famous Korean actors, like, trying to cook a burger or whatever while they're in Malaysia. Uh, so it sounds like it's a lot of fun. I was like, oh, man, I would I would totally watch that. Uh, she's just delightful. I would watch, like, I literally on Twitter was like, let's just have her accept everyone's awards from now on. That would be fine. Yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the most entertaining moments of the night, I thought.
1: On the other side, the supporting actor was uh, maybe one of the least surprising awards, uh, as Daniel Kaluuya uh, was the frontrunner, clear pick, and in fact won. Um, what do you think that, of that? was a
0: weird one. Jar and I were talking about this, that if you watched Judas and the Mac- Black Messiah... Uh, he did not seem to be a supporting actor in that mm-hmm. film. Like he's the main character. And, right? Yeah,
1: and he and both both he and Keith Stanfield were in the supporting category. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jr. If that was one of those producer moves, right? That's exactly because it, right? Chadwick's I mean, going to win what, best actor,
2: right? That's that's what people forget, is that, that the Oscars, in terms of the studios trying to win awards for their films, it's all very strategic and very political. So, for instance, Netflix chose to invest their Oscars budget in Mank instead of Defy Bloods. Uh, and I'm betting that's because of Minati, Judas and the black Messiah one night in Miami. I mean, I'm betting some net network in Netflix suit said, you know, there's lots of black movies this year. So if we actually want some awards to take home, um, we need to put our Oscars money into Mank, not into the five bloods. So well, the like, Oscars would- money,
0: right. They, they pay for screeners. They pay for advertisements in the different Hollywood trades. They're sending boxes to people who can vote with like, hey, don't forget to vote for us. Here's some candy and cookies and things from our movie. And like, it's a whole machine.
2: Right. And then is where does this, where does this, movie have the best shot of winning the award. So, you know, at the Golden Globes, they have the uh the two categories of best picture, best drama and best musical or comedy, and there's like The Martian was yeah. put in best musical or comedy and people were like, "Huh?" What? But that's where they thought it had the best chance to win. Uh so here you have Daniel Kaluuya, clearly the main character, yeah. in this film, clearly could have received a, a best actor lead, but they looked at the they looked at the slate, saw that Chadwick was gonna be up for Ma Rainey's black bottom, and they say, you know what? He is a shoe in for supporting actor, so let's put him there, take home the trophy.
1: And in fact, right? which, if if which he was in best supporting, <clears throat> then the thinking would have been, well, hey, this will split votes between he and Chadwick, right? And then that will potentially make neither of them win is is also right. a thought on a larger level.
2: Right. So, yeah, I mean, and again, you every award season, whether it's in the Oscars or the Golden Globes, there's usually some kind of goofy submission like this, you know, and it, it, it all comes down to trying to get the most trophies. So all
3: about winning,
2: uh, Kathy, you uh, you were sort of vicious towards me on Twitter when I was exploring my octopus teacher. I don't know if you Sounds remember like Kathy. this, but you were
0: exploring um, your octopus teacher. What does that mean? This Ugh. is
2: this is a documentary. It won best documentary feature. My oh. octopus teacher, and I was I have not seen it, and so I was kind of trying to explore like what's going on with this film. Uh, and one of the things I I noted was that when the the uh, the guy who won gave his speech, he talked about the octopus in past tense, and so I questioned. <laughs> I said, "Does this mean?" That the octopus dies at the end. Is this like a dog? Are octopus movies like dog movies, you know? Um, Because all dog movies end with the dog dying at the end. Like, that's how they all end. And I was like, are octopus films the same? And Kathy, I'm sure you remember how you responded. Oh, the picture? Yeah.
3: I sent him a picture of the appetizer that Peter and I ate at dinner, which was grilled (laughs) octopus.
0: Oh Zoe, I
2: hope you're not listening right now.
3: It was so good. It was so good. Um
2: my octopus appetizer. So yeah. Yeah.
3: And I don't think it was the same, but you know, probably related.
2: And very delicious. (laughs)
0: Um, we were. Watching I have
2: not seen it. that yet, but I've heard it is actually. I've heard it is just an amazing film.
0: We were yeah, watching I one of the little really clips, and you see the man underwater, and the octopus comes out and puts its tentacles on his hand. And mm-hmm. Krista said something like, "Oh, look at it's reaching right out to him." I said, "It's tasting him," and she's like, "What?" I said, "Yeah, they can taste with their uh, suckers," and she was like, "Ah, oh, it's disgusting." It's
3: like a dog <laughs> licking you.
0: Oh, well, she doesn't like that either.
3: Yeah, I don't either. So yes,
2: <laughs> the only person Gross. who likes it is the dog. Or a fly landing on you?
3: Yeah, Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same, but I don't eat flies. I will eat
0: octopus. You don't knowingly eat flies. That's true. True, I don't knowingly eat
3: flies. You eat four spiders. But I will intentionally eat octopus.
0: I wonder if Um, octopus could sense that. Like if you were were underwater with that dude, if it would be like, oh, here comes Kathy. And it would like (laughs) go under the rock.
3: If they are as smart as they say they are.
0: Maybe yeah. Do. <laughs> does that make you feel weird that you eat something really smart? Better question. Does that make octopi racist? <laughs> I mean, they—I assumed it was because it was Kathy specifically.
1: No. What? What if they're just making assumptions about people based on cultural culinary appetites?
2: I Not mean, based on their Twitter feeds. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. What anyway. <laughs>
1: <are>. <laughs> I also oh. I also eat octopus. <laughs>
2: so good. Quick plug yes. for a book called Children of Ruin, which explores what might happen if octopuses evolved into a sentient civilization.
0: Jared definitely has used all of his fascinating picks for the week now.
2: Really yes. terrific. Serious. Book. It is and a great book, by the way.
1: Glove sales would increase.
2: Jeez. <laughs> Wait. Okay, let's, let's talk about uh, this.
0: <laughs> Baby so, Mittens.
2: Um, oh, actually, sorry. We need to talk about uh-huh. Best Director. Um, this is only the second woman in history, Chloe Zhao, to win Best uh, Director. And it is the second year in a row that a non white man won because Bong Joon Ho won last year. Uh, so she won for Nomad Land. Matt, I know you have seen Nomad Land. Kathy, did you see it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, Clay, you did not, correct? Nope. And I also did not. So Kathy and Matt, please uh, tell us a little bit about Nomadland and your thoughts about her winning best director.
0: I mean, the film is beautiful. No question. Uh, So it's based on a book, which was a kind of a gonzo journalism kind of book, which means the reporter is heavily involved in the story that's about these largely senior citizens who are now living in vehicles and moving across the country and making their living essentially as gig workers. Uh, so they'll work at Amazon during the Christmas season, then they'll move to do beet farming, things like that. The story follows one woman uh, and kind of her story. The town that she and her husband lived in dried up, like became a ghost town. The, the major, I think it was a sheetrock town sheetrock started falling in prices they shuttered the factory the town went away in the course of a few months and her husband dies so she just ends up driving cross-country so it was interesting it felt like a documentary like a really beautiful Mm -hmm. documentary the acting is very understated the other actors are not actually actors they're people that were mentioned in the book they're the actual people so you have very uh I, I, how do you say this? They don't look like actors. They're they're ordinary-looking people interacting with a famous Ugly? Hollywood actor. Is that what you mean? Well, no. That's <laughs> not what I mean, actually. I it know. just they don't have that look of, like, the polished perfection, right? The haircuts are weird, and you can tell they didn't get tons of makeup, and uh, a lot of them are living out of their vehicles, right? Um, I don't know. that. So that's the basic idea of what the film is about. I thought it was going to be an expose about amazon using their workers like that but it it actually isn't in fact was one of the things i felt unsettled about at the end of the film honestly I, I felt like you could take it as a isn't it wonderful amazon makes it possible for people to live on the road like this at the end because we keep seeing that this character has opportunities to choose another life and she doesn't want another life so, or isn't able to take another life. I
1: don't know. I, l- I literally thought know. it was a documentary, by the way, until the day of the Oscars. I didn't know. It was oh. a, I didn't even pay attention to the nomination. So I guess I would have figured it out.
3: Yeah. So I, um, and there was a little bit of controversy towards the end, uh, like before, right before Oscars around Nomad Land and how it was, it had not painted an accurate picture of mm. gig working, especially around mm. Amazon. Um, but at, that's, that wasn't the intent, I don't think, behind the movie, right? Yeah. So it was based off of the book, but um, I think the the movie and what Chloe Zhao did was to kind of paint this um, picture of life that doesn't have to be what we think it has to be, which mm-hmm. is rooted in a mortgage or rent And a nine to five, and that that somehow is the epitome of arriving Mm -hmm. or being able to survive or make a living. There's something very, um, I found really unsettling about the movie in that um, all of the characters, they are, these are real people Mm -hmm. who have chosen or fallen into this lifestyle of living out of their vehicles, of um, having to rely on one another and a community that isn't um, set on a street address. And that they're able to do that, that they're able to do that was just scary to me and also poignant and beautiful in a time where I think especially the timing of the movie with the pandemic, lots of people have found themselves kind of uprooted from their normal patterns of life. And uh, could you imagine living totally different? And here were these people not just living a totally different life, but actually flourishing, you know, like in enjoying it and not in a like, look at what I have that you don't have. Just saying like, my life matters, even though it doesn't look like yours.
0: Yeah, there were lots of like, there were lots of moments where you could feel the film showing you, look how much beauty there is here, Mm -hmm. which was unexpected. It literally be a scene where she's scrubbing a public toilet. And then you're sitting outside and seeing the beautiful landscape as she's mm-hmm. going to bed, right? In mm-hmm. her car with the doors open because it's summer now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy, were you struck by, I was struck by how religious it was. Like this community had essentially a pastor. Mm-hmm. They had these communal gatherings. They sang together. They were like helping each other with things. Did did that strike you as religious at all when you were Oh, watching?
3: yeah. Yeah. Um- and there was a bit of structure and like, here's here's the guy who does the seminars, with, right. right? Like when you are starting out in this life here, these are the things you need to know and, and kind of a code of ethics, uh, kind of an unspoken behavior and the way that you're supposed to um, be a neighbor. So these communities would like appear, establish themselves, and then folks would put out like on a... On a tarp. Here are things for free that you might need, and that I don't need anymore. And this kind of helping one another—that was—it felt, for me as a as a Christian, a little like acts, Hmm. right? Like you take what you need, you give what you don't need, right? Like you share. And And so there even
0: testimonies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's how I got in the life, and here's what I do, and. You know, here's something maybe you don't know about how to make a toilet for inside your car or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: And it was very understated, which I appreciated yeah. um, and felt appropriate in a time where folks were, you know, hunkering down at home.
0: I, You know, all the Oscar movies I saw this year, Oscar-nominated movies, left me with really complex emotional states. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not all of them, most of them though. Um, and this one, I, I, man, I couldn't put my finger on it afterwards. I'm still working through it. Like I couldn't tell if I was sad or (laughs) angry Mm -hmm. or just frustrated. Like when I know what the film was trying to get me to was like a, you need to look at this and realize that it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling to, I think there were so many other things that I was like, yeah, but it shouldn't be that way. Like these people shouldn't have to live that way to mm-hmm. do what they want to in life. And maybe that's what they were trying to get me to, but yeah, I just, I felt really conflicted at the end.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I loved about the movie too, mm. is that it left me uh, asking more questions not just mm. of the movie itself, but of uh, of my own life and mm. the life Peter and I have built for ourselves. Like, well, I- at the end of the day, what does that mean? What would it look like if this town shriveled up and we were left with nothing, you know, but a choice to say, like, do we move? Do we buy a house somewhere else? Or do we opt for X, Y, and Z? So...
0: Well, Kathy, you and Peter will always be welcome to park your van in front of our house. Wonderful. Without, we would never knock on the door and make you move.
3: Okay, wonderful. <laughs> we are getting rid of our minivan, so
0: that's a, that's a step. That's a step away from Nomadland. I know.
3: Maybe we should keep it.
0: No.
2: Uh, so uh, I'm curious of the other. So Clay, what? Uh, what of the? Be- I know you didn't get to see a ton of them this year. What did you? What did you see that you really? Liked? I mean, In best what
1: did I see is the question. I watched Mank on Sunday.
3: Did you stay awake?
1: <laughs> it definitely drags a little. Uh, so Mank and Minari. Those are the only two I even saw. Okay. This season has made me want to watch a lot more than I thought. Like, I've come to realize through the commentary and conversations that it sounds like some of these aren't as heavy as I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's no reason I didn't watch Sound of Metal or Trial of Chicago 7. Um promising young woman I was like I had to look it up I'm like wait that's a movie that's like a weird like B movie why is I must have the title wrong I had to go look it up I'm like no that's the revenge dating movie like that's up for best picture like what how did that yeah. happen hollywood and like I didn't watch it but I was like what's like to me
0: that was just you like a, watch a
1: movie we wanted to check out sometime not like something that was it in Oscar season Absolutely
0: it's one of the best movies of the year I think
1: Yeah I mean I I'm, I'm super intrigued now, is kind of what the Oscars did, which is why he worked so hard to get nominated, right? Um, same thing. Like, it sounds like The Father is pretty intense, but uh, I thought Nomadland was a documentary. He just wasn't motivated to watch it. And then... And we then, know how you
3: feel about documentaries.
1: I love documentaries, right? So I don't know. And then Judas the Black Messiah, again, now it sounds like I'm going to have a very different experience than what I was expecting, Um And so Jen and I just kind of like a lot of nights didn't watch it because it's like, well, it's movie night, but like, you know, the days and weeks have been pretty heavy. So we kind of pick our spots for when we want to embrace, you know, the next really heavy thing. We tend to watch a couple of those things a week as it is. So, yeah, for me, it's just hard to comment on any of this other than to say, yeah, Kathy, Mank was really cool to look at, but it definitely dragged. And um, what's the other one I watched?
0: We didn't finish it.
3: Yeah, we didn't finish oh, Manc, it. Really? Yeah, we started it, and Peter and I took turns falling asleep.
1: Interesting.
3: Yeah, so at one point I was like, honey, I think we just need to turn it off because I fell asleep, yeah. and then you fell asleep. And
0: <sighs> So much of Mank relied on knowing all of these intricate background details related to um, related to Citizen Kane. Like, you had to know that. The actors, the people involved. Which I did, right? I knew all of it. Yeah, I was sitting next to Krista telling her, like, oh, that's this person. Oh, that's this person. She's like, okay, okay. But if you don't have all that information, like, a lot of it feels contextless, I think. They were just relying. It was a movie made for Hollywood people, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Which there's almost always one of those in awards Mm -hmm. season. It almost, like, the artist, you know, from a number of years ago is the one that's...
0: Yeah, because Hollywood's like, this was amazing. And everyone else is like, what? I didn't even
2: understand it. Sense
3: anyone watch Sound of Metal? We really enjoyed yes.
2: that. That was really I didn't good. I did see that once, it's on the list, yeah, and it's streaming on Amazon Prime. So, any listeners that have Amazon Prime or haven't seen it, um, it you know, it was a shoe in for the sound award, yes, um, for a number of reasons, but also a really, a really compelling picture of the deaf community, mm-hmm. you know, and what it looks like to uh accept new realities, you know, because it's about a guy who loses his hearing um, and, and has to come to terms with that. And it's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah,
3: I wasn't um, really sure what I was going to be watching when Peter was like, let's watch this movie. And I was like, wait, what? Is this like a band documentary? <laughs> what is going on? He's, no, 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 no. Keep, we're going to watch it. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and, and not only the coming to terms with losing your hearing, but there is that scene, um, where, um, see, I, (laughs) I love movies, but I'm so bad. You know, that character with the other character talking about (laughs) the, the obsession of trying to maintain hearing made him sound like an addict, right? And so the, the reliance we have on our senses and the, the fear of losing that kind of control, um, And the fear of entering into a world that we are told is second class. Um, And and so the push to kind of keep away from that and the fact that he is a drummer, (laughs) I think, was also this compelling kind of like, this isn't just somebody who's used to hearing. This is a part of who he is. It's in his body to be able to hear and to play and to feel that sound. So um, that, that was a fabulous movie. Glad Peter forced me to watch it. <laughs> and I know Peter's going to listen to this. So thank you, honey. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my watch list is definitely clearer, I think, for the next couple weeks after this uh, awards season. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom had you know some of the acting awards. I know Jen and I put that one on. She didn't realize that it was kind of, um, you know, an adapted play, kind of like Fences Mm -hmm. a couple years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Which uh, Mm -hmm. Fences Fences was that movie that I watched because I was watching all of the nominations that year. And I was like, yeah, great performance, uh, famous play, but I'm watching a play on screen, right? And that just Mm -hmm. has a certain kind of, uh, I don't know dullness to it that you just lose right without all the dynamic sets so when we put on ma Rainey one one sunday um i don't know we were 20 25 minutes in and, and jen just wasn't feeling it she's like i just don't want to watch even when we go to the theater she mm-hmm. she wants musicals right a lot more than plays so i understand too that you know probably a lot of people just weren't along for that ride right it's like i want to see chadwick work i want to see olivia work or, or viola work but like at the same time, it's um, I
2: don't know. Did you all, did uh, you all watch well, it? But again, when you we watched it, no, for it. actually that same. Oh, you did watch it. Kathy? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, we did watch it, and it was uh it was a, um, it was an intense movie, and in part because of even the way it's shot. Um, so there is a, a maintaining of a limited perspective, and. Um, I felt like, huh, you're kind of stuck in the, the recording studio part or the, the home. And so um, there is a little bit of the claustrophobia experience just even watching it on the TV.
2: Again, when you're talking strategy, right, I think the reason actors take these kinds of roles mm. is exactly because the, the redeeming value of turning a play into a film is literally Oscar bait. I mean, you all like 95% of the film rests on the ability of the actors to be compelling. And so I think that's why Denzel did fences, which again, both of both he and Viola Davis were unbelievable Mm -hmm. in that film. You know, I mean, they, they chewed every piece of scenery that was available to them. Um, I watched One Night in Miami, uh, which is another adaptation of a play, and what they did a little bit better about just, you know, it's four guys talking, but they, they, they created some extra sets, so at least there was a little bit of walk and talk and moving locations and things like that, but again, the heartbeat of that film is watching these four black men, like, argue about what it means to be black in america you know and it was it was incredibly compelling for that
1: i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to ask so i when i was listening to like a pre-show by all of these folks who were like with abc and they were going to be like you know hosting it and they were talking to all of the producers and stuff regina king kept coming up as kind of like the big snub right she directed the one night Mm in miami Mm um and so there was a lot of emotion around how she was left off and how the director category in general is just it's it's not good with only five whatever but then the oscars i missed it but they started off with a whole like regina king walking in right that was like the entrance or something did you see that did you did you catch
2: yeah she was the first she was the first presenter but she also sort of acted as the um, the MC at the beginning and kind of laid the ground rules for the night and welcome. So that
1: sounds like dead. a win that they produced. It, that they did that or that they had that at least she was so visible in that moment. sure. But, but yeah, <laughs> the category itself is lacking.
2: Yeah. She did get to shout out one night in Miami, but um, again, I like, here's the thing, right? Like from a direction perspective, a p- putting a play, on film isn't that interesting, you know, you, cause you, cause you are dealing with people in a room.
3: Right.
2: Uh, So, so you just have it. I think it's, I think it's harder to be, it's harder to direct in a way that calls attention to the excellence of the direction when it's, when you're adapting a play because, you know, plays are written and conceived to be experienced, you know, in a, in a, like this, because you've got an audience sitting and looking at a stage, so there's only there's only so clever you can get when you're directing a uh, an adapted play. I think.
0: Well, and that, I thought it was really interesting, like watching Minari, which we need to talk with Kathy about pronunciation in a moment here, but um, it felt like Terrence Malick in places to me, like these lingering pictures of perfectly lit just like a flower mm-hmm. or something like it, it, it was it yeah as far as direction and cinematography it had this uh, actually really similar to nomadland mm-hmm. also right this continual reminder of this family in crisis but look how beautiful the world they inhabit is uh which is yeah really fascinating
3: i mean just going back briefly to nomadland um there were people, actors in the film who are not actors. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of the direction that I thought was so masterful that Chloe Zhao was able to kind of draw out were these pieces, there was acting from actors who are not trained in that. Right, and so mm-hmm. to and and it is hard to make normal people acting in their normal ways interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. just be honest. Mm-hmm. So that she was able to draw those performances out of people who live that life, that nomadic life, and make it interesting and tie in with Frances McDormand and some who didn't know who she was, which was also fabulous. Um, I think was just. Amazing. It was beautiful. Um, but Minari similarly was um it was poetic, right? And visually like it, it was a slower-paced movie. So I think yeah. that's one thing with Hollywood is that we kind of expect faster-paced visually, like I don't know, lots of things coming at us. So it is a little unnerving to watch a field. <laughs>
0: Right, right. For for quite a while sometimes yeah. in some shows. It had the mm-hmm. more literary kind mm-hmm. of independent film feel mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy, let's talk about pronunciation. I was watching during the Oscars. Do you guys know Angry Asian Man on Twitter? Yeah, He's really funny. Phil, you.
3: Was <laughs> I know him actually, Phil. Him let's get show. you out on this show. You've got a book coming
0: out, yeah. Oh yeah, he was grading everyone for their pronunciation throughout, including the <laughs> Korean speakers, which was cracking me up. It was so funny. <laughs> but like, can you, for those of us who don't speak Korean, can you walk us through the pronunciation?
3: It's Minari.
0: The R sound is almost like a D sound to me. Is yeah. So is there's that. no
3: like R in the Korean. Alphabet, and then the L isn't really an L, right? So, Uh, uh, um, the uh, Minari. Yeah, so it's a little RL-ish, Minari. Yeah.
1: Now, Kathy, if I, you know, living here in Dallas, right, around uh, a lot of diverse populations and a lot of Hispanic-speaking folks... If I try to put those accents on my words, you know, like when I go to lunch or whatever, I sound, you know, potentially like a moron or pretentious or like a fraud or whatever, right? Like I,
0: I, I, I'm always
1: always cognizant about, right? Like, should I just say the word or should I try to say the word as if I had the accent? And I know that part of the language very much so in all the different cultures is the accent. So, is it, is it wrong for me as an American speaker, just as I would say, you know, gracias or, you know, not gracias, right? Uh, is it wrong it's for me wrong. to say Minari instead of Mirari?
3: It's not wrong, but- I mean, technically. It is, yeah, but technically it is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's more, it's, so I have an accent. I mean, my my Korean relatives, I mean, I haven't been back to Korea in a long, long time, but my Korean relatives would always say, oh, she sounds like an American. From or, Chicago. Or the phrase they would use is, <laughs> and I, I'm not even saying that right. It's that my tongue is like, bent. So my (laughs) Korean has an English accent to Mm. it. Right. Mm. Or like I walk off the plane and they're like, Ooh, you know, American smell. (laughs) Like they can tell just the way (laughs) I dress and I carry myself. So I would say like, if it's, if it, so like the R part is tricky, but the, the, the emphasis on the syllable, that I would say like, Oh, well at least try that. Hmm. Try that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Kathy, when I was watching that movie, I kept thinking of different of my friends, Mm -hmm. because it's set in the 80s, (laughs) and I was like, this is the story of my friend. Like, this is, this is, they're probably watching this and going, that's my mom. That's my grandma.
3: Yeah.
0: Like, not that everyone had the exact same story, right? But that it was a really... You know, I watch nineteen eighties movies like E. T. and I'm like, Oh, there's there's the kid who like lived next door to me, right? But I'm guessing <laughs> that's not the same for some of my Asian American friends. So what was what was your experience? Like did you did you feel a different kind of connection to this story than other like kind of literary eighties movies?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it was a little different because that generationally is a little later than like my growing up. Right so like I I came to the US in 71 and so um it, it wasn't quite my dad that I was watching on screen but closer than anything else I've seen um and uh so what was really beautiful for me was just the way it captured everyday life so little things like the um uh David, the son, talking about the smell of his grandmother when she first comes to the U.S.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
3: grandma smells. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every (laughs) Korean-American kid in the U.S., when their Korean relatives come, we know what that smell
0: is. (laughs) How about when grandma pulled out that giant bag of chili powder?
3: Oh, yes. That, too, (laughs) was very much, like... Like, I know, I've seen that happen. (laughs) Seen, you know, relatives come, because those... That type of, uh, you know, like our spices and all that kind of stuff wasn't as readily available even in the 80s. Right. And to the, get the high quality stuff was going to be from the motherland. Mm-hmm. So it was like right. the chili powder and then like um, the, the dried anchovies. The yeah.
0: anchovies. And I was yeah. like, the oh, my God. mom starts crying. She's yes. like, you're crying over something yes. What's yes. happening?
3: Yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, I know. I know that feeling. I know. Like I've seen that scene happen. Mm. And the the setting of the table and all of the pantan, the the different uh, side dishes that go, and uh, like the corningware plates Mm. along with Mm -hmm. the metal bowls. Like I I have some of the old metal bowls. Mm. And um, so there was something about that that captured it. And then even just kind of the flowing back from the English to the Korean and the kids as well as the adults kind of seamlessly going between languages. And then you feel that tension and the release. Like when you come home, you can just be who you are. And then you go out into the world and you've got this kind of, you put up. Uh, layers of energy and um, uh, kind of, yeah, you you have to have a level of energy to engage in the world that doesn't know what to do with you. So that I felt like viscerally, I I felt it the whole time was like, oh, this is us. This is my family. This is the dynamic of Korean parents raising their immigrant children who are like, well, but we're in America, so we're supposed to be American, but not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. that dynamic. So for me, actually, when I think back, those long shots of nature were helpful. Mm. <laughs> like it was like a, a a little bit of a breath, and then I thought, oh, I wonder if that's how my parents feel.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: Uh, what did y'all do with the presence of religion in the film? Um, because both the family attends mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> a very white church, <laughs> but then also there is a moment where uh, the dad says, "This is," he either says, "This is like," or "This is the Garden of Eden," uh, referring to their uh, their farm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also with oh, the, there's so also
1: with the dad his, you know, in the film basically there is some conjecture over where bad things are coming from right and so when yeah. basically the the white dude shows up to do the exorcism like Stephen yen is you know angry and annoyed at that so yeah there's there's a lot of conversation around faith and religion throughout
0: well that's what and that that guy is a extremely charismatic like really familiar if you've lived in the south uh, or have friends in the south of from a very charismatic, kind of independent charismatic tradition. Who doesn't even fit
1: in that community apparently, right?
0: Right, yeah. He can't go to like a Baptist church, right? He's what they would have called a holy roller back in the day. Um, Yeah, carries his own cross. I thought it was interesting. I'm not surprised at all that a Korean filmmaker is unafraid to put particularly Mm -hmm. Christianity, different versions of Christianity in a film. I think that's such a key piece of portions of the Korean community, right? Um, it was really interesting. It's so rare to have a film that shows different branches of Christianity interacting like happens in the real world, which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, I, I can't remember the last time. It, usually you get like a priest or a church, right? You don't get three different distinct ideas of what it means to follow Jesus in the same film. And you did in this one.
3: I thought that scene with the cross was not hilarious. When he's carrying, yeah, down the road, road and then the kids in the bus, right? Right.
0: They're like flipping him off as they drive by.
3: Yeah, and there was something about that that was like, I was the kid on the bus, Uh (laughs) right? And but then to see this man who is literally carrying a cross. And believes it so much. There's something about that that threw me off. Um, mm. I loved the handling of religion and faith; that it wasn't the primary, like it wasn't a primary character. It was definitely a supporting role in it, and handled it in a way that wasn't like preachy or fake. It was very honest. Oh. Like the whole exchange in the 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 chicken sexing. Portion and like oh there are Kore- there's a Korean church and we should we should have a Korean church here and the one woman's like well we came out here to like avoid <laughs> t- to avoid that Korean church mm-hmm. so there's also the acknowledgement of the the pros and cons to the experience mm-hmm. of the immigrant church mm-hmm. as you are an immigrant trying to make it and survive
1: and from a story perspective like this guy at first is crazy and so when you look at it through like super practical dad eyes like oh my god this white man is gonna drive me insane right but then when they kind of witness this guy also being ridiculed as an outsider Mm -hmm. like i I think they find some Mm -hmm. of that common identity right like well he's also kind of on the outs in this community and i know what that feels like right and as long as we keep coming together on monday morning and doing this good work and creating this cool thing it, it's just so interesting how that played a part in their relationship that was a very interesting yeah. relationship you yeah
3: know? it really it really And yet, was. like i
1: don't want this guy in my house and up in my personal business <laughs> but like there's just there's so much happening in all those moments it's not said that's well, a good story. Well,
0: even there, there's a moment where uh, so the white charismatic guy says to Stephen Yoon's character, uh, "Your boy's going to be okay," which is this whole subplot that his son is not well, and he gets really angry and says to his wife, "Why did you tell him our business?" She's like, "I didn't tell him," and it, you're just left with the impression that like, yeah, he heard it from God. Like yeah. all this stuff he's doing is actually there is some sort of mystical connection there. And then you start thinking about the other things that guy said, where he's like, good things are coming. You know, that's one of the first things he says. Uh, And then at the same time, it's in some sense a film about poverty, too. Like, Mm -hmm. these people are one, like, one accident away from, like, severe poverty. Uh, and, And this guy, you know, the rumor in town, at least, is that, you know, he doesn't even have running water or electricity at his house, and like, all this kind of stuff. yeah. A lot of interesting stuff going on in that film, for sure.
3: One of um, Phil's Angry Asian Man's tweets that cracked me up was, um, Growing up, I never imagined a Korean-American actor would be nominated for an Academy Award for basically playing my dad. (laughs) (laughs) and we all kind of laughed about that and Peter and I kept going back to that like yeah that's that's kind of what it is and again speaking to the uniqueness of that experience is that that happens all the time right like all of these characters even though it's Hollywood and all that you can kind of place yourself and this is one of the few very few times where it was very specific as a Korean American, I could place myself and be like that this, this is a movie, but this is genuine. This is authentic.
0: I I think what's really fascinating too, is that it's opening, not, not only this movie, but our culture is opening to other immigration stories. Mm -hmm. Like 10 years ago, if you had said, what, what are the basic things we're going to see in an immigration story? You would have been like, well, the statue of Liberty um, there's probably gonna be like a gang or something and you're going to have to like, I don't know, clean laundry at some point and then you're going to move West. Uh, that's like the immigration story. And so now we have, uh, you know, it's much later than our typical, we typically immigration stories have been in the 1920s or something, uh, in film. So I think it's really exciting that we're opening up to other experiences, other stories, um, and I think it's it's more compelling, right? Like people who don't know anything about Korean culture, uh, maybe don't even have any Korean friends, could watch this movie and have an experience of some sort of understanding for someone that they don't know well, which I, I
2: think is actually really good.
3: Yeah. Any other movies we want to talk about?
2: I actually wanted to ask about the end of Minari if we can. Yeah because i that was where the film lost me i i uh i felt like everything caught on fire and they lost everything oh but it's gonna be okay was like the one place in the film where the film veered into like tropes and predictability
1: what made you think everything's and, gonna be okay
2: uh because they go and find the minari growing wild at the end and
1: I don't understand how that takes you in that direction.
2: So I don't know. I just, I, um, I guess nothing in the film up until that point had felt quite so apocalyptic. And then, so then to end it in that way, felt very, uh, I don't know, like on the nose, um,
1: I don't know. I, th- I think I didn't feel that way. I certainly didn't feel like things were okay at the end. I was, you know, a bit devastated. And I th- I thought that it kind of earned that. Like, you saw it coming. You know, the story leads you to this tragic event, I thought. And it's totally understandable. And it's heartbreaking. <laughs> and, and even in the sweetness of the relationship with the grandkids, uh, you know, going to catch her. Like, yeah, I was just not okay. I
0: I read that as basically Stephen Yeun's character moving into the family. Like he's been separate from the family basically mm-hmm. the whole film and and this is the moment where he says actually family is more important than this farm, right? Um and then the next scene being the Minari scene is you know he hasn't been down there yet and he made like when grandma said she was going to plant it he's like i'll think about it right but so he didn't engage with her at all and now he's down there without her with his son and i thought that was like him finally stepping in to the family in a in a new way the thing that was hard for me in that last scene and this just goes to my essential cowardice is that you know they saw a poisonous snake down there in an earlier scene and grandma had said don't scare it off the the snake you see is much safer than the one that's hidden and so we're in we're down there among uh, you know, in the same place, I don't see a snake anywhere. And dad's reaching into the Minari yeah. and like <laughs> pulling it out. And I'm like, he's going to get bitten and die. And this movie. Yeah. So, and it's the last scene. So, I mean, it's not a spoiler. This will help you enjoy the movie more. There, There is no snake <laughs> in the last scene. The whole time I was like, uh, you here can it comes. relax. Everyone. I was like pre- 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 preparing myself for the tragic, like watching him die from a snake bite while his kid's <laughs> sitting there watching him. <laughs>
3: I didn't feel like it was going to all be okay after the fire. I still felt a lot of like, "Oh, what's happening? How is grandma? <laughs> yeah, what grandma's happened?" Not well again, you know, for right. Sure. Right. And and the um, uh, and even that scene of like going back and finding the Minari has flourished there's a there's still a little bit of the like oh but it's still father and son so how's mm. the marriage <laughs> mm. Mm. how's the marriage did the marriage survive and um
2: yeah no, nothing the, daughter? the okay. daughter's <laughs>
3: always like kind of the
2: side i guess i just i read the Minati as a metaphor for the family mm. and like you know because this this non-native plant right. found a way to flourish so grandma showed yes, them where the the to family. grow yeah Right, so yes, it didn't. Uh, you know, the things didn't work out the way they planned. But you know, they're still going to be okay. They're going to find a way to flourish.
3: Yeah, but you know, as somebody who gardens, and we're always told like weeds, uh, those non-native plants that take over, they're 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 considered <laughs> evasive. And so that's how well, I, I mean, like I, that's how I you. always that's how it felt. A little bit like, oh no, see, we are taking over (laughs) and we are
2: unwanted
3: guests
2: in this I mean if you look if you look at the Oscars, (laughs) Asians won last year and this year big and and so it does look like does look like you're taking over.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Two out of the ninety some years.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right.
0: Yeah with me in a hundred years, and we'll see.
2: How do you think white people are supposed to feel right now?
3: Uh, I don't <laughs> care. As long as the movies. No, are <laughs> I
2: thought I I thought Minari overall was a was a great movie and I'm glad to see it got so much recognition. Um so uh what would what would each of you have picked for best picture if you were voting?
0: Mm. I was torn. I I think this movie was excellent. I think I probably had a clearer like more visceral response to Judas and the black Messiah. And, uh, and I really, I feel like promising young woman messed with me in a really good way. Like in a really, like it was enjoyable to watch. And also I kept going like, Oh no, it's not going to go like that. And then I was like, Oh, of course it's going to go like that.
1: Which it did win. It did win best original
0: screenplay. Right. Judas and the black Messiah felt a little bit that way too. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know for sure how I would have voted on best picture. What about you, Kathy?
3: I mean, just because I had hoped Minati would win, but I knew it wouldn't, um, I'm happy with Nomadland. I really enjoyed um, Sound of Metal. A- and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed that. So that that actually would have been like a a shocker to me. And I'm glad Mank didn't, because...
2: Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we we actually did not mention Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Yeah, he was amazing, just incredible,
3: amazing.
2: And I mean, he learned ASL for it, and I thought did very believably. You know, um, I was kind of watching that to see like, oh, is he going to seem like someone who's just sort of like learned a couple of signs? Mm-hmm. And it you no, know, it very much felt like he had you know moved a little way through. Uh, I think season. Paul
1: Racy, who was up for supporting actor, he was signing on the carpet. When he was talking, Mm -hmm. like, they stopped him. He signed Mm -hmm. his uh, responses, which was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Play of the two you saw, which...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I, I, really enjoyed Parasite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. I don't know if you guys have heard of this little
1: bit. Yeah, I I clearly am not qualified to to speak to it. But uh, I will say that um, the next one that I watch will probably be Judas and the Black Messiah and then The Trial. Um, those will those will be boom boom uh, the father I don't know I'm gonna go watch oh and yeah, promising a woman so basically I've just got I've got more interested in my upcoming watch list through this season
2: <laughs> yeah i I probably would have chosen Judas and the black Messiah. Um, if I were voting, I just uh, I really resonated with that film. And we're going to we're going to have on uh, Dan White Hodge in a couple weeks to talk through the movie with us. But uh, one of the things I really appreciated was that it did not uh, it did not hang out in black paint, mm-hmm. um, despite despite if you know anything, knowing how the film ends. Also, it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. So um, you can probably guess even if you don't know. But I felt like the vast majority of the film was about. Black power and black dignity, um, in a way that uh, something like Twelve Years a Slave wasn't. You know. Oh God, no. So, no. Uh, yeah, but but again, very happy uh, with Minari uh, getting the nod. Uh, I also I also loved Promising Young Woman, um, though it's 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 got its own issues. But I thought it was a terrific film, surprising film, um, and a really interesting um a really interesting entry in the like rape revenge rape revenge category yeah um uh, film you know it does something very different from what most of those films do and so.
0: weirdly funny in places like in a yeah, way oh, that i hilarious. did not expect yeah. at
2: all kathy you have
3: not seen it either. no not yet it's up next
0: yeah. Okay. So, well, we need to hear what's fascinating everyone this week and Clay, why don't you why don't you take us in there first?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting. Jen and I have moved away from I think just kind of like sitting with one show and just watching that one thing and now we're kind of moving Remember how TV used to be when what? when you know there was a TV guide and just shows came on and you watched them the day that
0: they were on? And you'd watch one episode of something and then something else after. I
1: know, like, and not finish an entire series in a night. It was crazy time. Um, so we find ourselves just kind of ha- wanting to have options. Like, we reach- we recently watched the um, the Art Heist uh, documentary on Netflix. And that's like, this is a good weeknight oh. kind of thing, which is really good, by the way. Um, and so the newest show, out of all the things that we're kind of just, like, picking at, the one that I really am thinking about this week is the new Kate Winslet uh, jam on HBO, which is mayor of East town. Is it on anyone's oh, I radar? I just
0: heard about that yesterday. So is it good. It is. I mean, obviously it's good. It's fascinating. It. Um, so uh, one of my friends is an extra on that shit. really that's how I heard about it yeah it's, it's always funny like obviously
1: when a movie starts off and the credits are rolling and it's like the Chicago skyline or like the New York skyline that's like 70% of films right like you just see this is right. this is the city this will be set in but every once in a while it's like Chicago uh, I know right but uh it's always funny Whatever. within like five seconds <laughs> i can tell if a story is in pennsylvania and and
0: because you know it could be boston it could be new hampshire but like because it just it shows you like a skyline <laughs> of a philly cheese yeah, it's, because of the elevation the, elevation, the hills man it? okay and uh, like right away i was the like plain white potatoes
1: i was like this is pennsylvania and then turns out it is just, so jen always laughs at me but i'll tell you what i don't know what your views are on Kate Winslet. Um, I think she's always I'm, been. I'm, an, I'm pro Kate Winslet. Yeah, she's been an amazing actress for a long time. But I,
2: I would say near, far, wherever you are, <laughs> you can rely that she's going to bring something interesting to the to the film. Assembling his, his cabinet, idea. people. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. J.R. is assembling his cabinet.
1: So yeah, um, she plays a detective <laughs> in this town, and um, there's there's a lot of tragedy in her backstory, and then there is a murder, and um, the twists will be many. I don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna go, but the first two episodes are pretty compelling, and uh, <laughs> you know, g- Guy Pierce is in it, and um, oh, just a bunch of uh, people you'll recognize. But she is oh, Quicksilver uh, from. Recently, from Wandavision, reprising his role from X Men, which kicks the, over the
2: Evan Peterson, yeah, or Aaron Taylor Johnson,
1: know. the one, yeah. the one from Wandavision. Um,
2: well, they're both in it, kind of. Yeah,
1: well, um, but anyway, it's just really, really interesting, and it's currently the thing that I want to go to most.
2: Nice, hmm. awesome. All right, Kathy, what about you? I haven't
3: I haven't been watching a lot. I guess we uh, we finished. Um, What do we finish watching? You know, that Falcon movie or show, not movie, but felt like a movie. Yeah, that one. That that was enjoyable. Was it? And, uh, you know, because most nights in the last couple of weeks, Peter and I have needed something short and something that is a little, little lighter. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know they're handling race, which isn't light, (laughs) but we just needed like a lighter take on it with lots of like explosions. So that helped, you know, a little. And then, and then at the end, it's kind of like, wait, what? The, you know, the ending of this last episode, like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. So no Mm -hmm. spoilers, but like, wait, it does that mean that. Character is bad, good, <laughs> confused. <laughs> what does that mean? So Wait, that are was you
0: saying that the Disney universe is, is having messing? trouble with their villains. Yes, and deciding who's a villain and who isn't?
3: right. Him? So that was wow. that was fine. That was that was entertaining. And then I have um, just started crying in H Mart. Um, Book by Michelle Zahner, a memoir about a, it's a coming of age story and her um, kind of coming to terms and understanding Korean identity and dealing with loss and adulthood and all of these things. And um, I started it and then I decided I might need to just carve like all of Friday to just sit and read. So now I'm planning to, I I think I'm going to plan what I'm going to eat while reading (laughs) Mm. and it will involve some sort of like spicy broth to help me with my tears <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice because
3: yeah. shouldn't people always do that like coordinate yeah. your reading or watching with what you're going to eat and drink yes yes
2: totally makes sense to yeah. me yeah. yeah absolutely it's called pairing
3: yes yes it is
2: um well i've got two uh <laughs> two which i've already shared matt no, um <laughs> Well, no, I just wanted to give an update. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that my book club on race was starting Minor Feelings. Yeah, how's that? And so we have read the first, we read and discussed the first two chapters last night uh, as of time of recording. And it was really interesting because uh, everyone, again, this is all white people. We're all trying to educate ourselves on doing better about race. And, you know, every almost every person basically said, you know, I've spent uh, a good amount of time working through like black, white. And I thought I had done a lot – I thought I was a lot further along in the work than I was. And this book is really opening my eyes mm. to how, one, how much more complex conversations about race are, and two, how, how big of a blind spot I had mm. when it came to racism against Asians and Asian Americans. Mm. So um, there you go. Just wanted to throw that out as a report. Um, again, I don't know that I could say we enjoy the book exactly because it's – it's painful. Uh, but it is a, it is an excellent, actually everyone did praise the book thoroughly. They said the writing is great. The tone is great. Um, the content is great. Like that, you know, that's, it's, but it's, it's enjoyable in the way that working out is painful because, you know, um, there's so much work to do as, as we work through the book. So, um, Kathy, thanks for that rec. Um, on behalf of the book club, And then uh, my actual other pick is the new Mortal Kombat movie. Really? uh, Oh man, it's not. People kept saying, "Is it good?" And I'm like, "Of course it's not." Is it fun? Of course it's not good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a movie based on a video game where the story is that there's a fight. Like that's
0: (laughs) a really brutal fight to the death.
2: Shocking. So uh, so I actually I was talking to a friend of mine who watched it. She said I didn't like it. It didn't have enough of a story. And I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> like there is no story in the video game. And like, all this is about is fights and the movie delivers on that and drove. So Kathy, yes, it is incredibly. Okay. How are, how are the mortalities? The fatalities. Yeah. How are those? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you like them, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny story. When Krista and I were newly
0: married, my mother-in-law bought me a, uh, a Nintendo of some sort. And she got me uh, Mortal Kombat with it. And so it's like (laughs)
2: Christmas.
0: (laughs) And I'm sitting in the other room playing. And she walks in. And we have a new baby, you know. She walks in (laughs) and she goes, does this video game take place in hell?
2: (laughs) Sometimes. Maybe. Uh, I will say, uh, I mean, honestly, legitimately, like, this movie is a blast. They have one character. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, they have one character who is like the sort of, this is very dumb surrogate. So he keeps making all of these comments about how silly the whole concept is. And that, that lets them get away with more like the whole, you know, they all, every character has superpowers. Right. Right. And so they call them in this, in this film, they call them Arcana and you have to like train and learn what your Arcana is. And, uh, he keeps he keeps he keeps saying, "I can't wait to find out what mine is." And then when he finally gets his, it's laser beam eye, which is, it's Kano if you know the character. And he's like, "Oh, laser eye!" And then he starts making fun of everyone else's powers and how much better his it. So it's it's like very self aware, very tongue in cheek. And again, I don't know why you would watch a film called Mortal Kombat unless you're wanting to see a bunch of fight scenes. Great, and they're done very well. So. This sounds
0: like a movie I go see with my dad. That's the kind of movies we we go to.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it is, it is a, it is an excellent version of what it aspires to be. Nice. So in my book, that's a win, you know? Um, if you don't think the concept sounds interesting, I probably wouldn't watch it.
0: Yeah. There you go. You know, there you go. So that Matt, what about you? Uh, I just read a, a book from a few years ago called embassy town by China. Mielville. Mielville. How is that? Hmm. It was great. I don't know why. Like I, I read, I think I read his kids. He has a YA book and I read that years ago and I was like, eh, it was fine. And so I didn't read any of his other stuff, but Embassy Town was amazing. I couldn't stop reading it. I actually cleared one day. Krista uh, was like, you haven't really done any of your, like, I have a bunch of work stuff going on. She's like, you haven't really done anything today. I was like, I cleared my day to read this book. Um, it's about a, um, basically there's a colony, a human colony. It's just a city called embassy town on this planet that it has to be bioengineered for them to live there. The alien race that lives there speaks with a double voice. Like they have two voices that speak simultaneously and say different things that make one word. And if you don't speak with a double voice, they don't recognize you as sentient or a person with language. Hmm. Uh, And they can only speak things that are manifestly true meaning that even metaphors have to be something they've seen before. So if they want to tell you the metaphor of the boy who swam every week with fish, then they need to have a boy that every week goes and swims with fish to refer to. So they uh, there's symbolic languages like lying in their language. They can't do it. Um, so what happens basically is the humans have created uh, essentially genetically identical twins who can speak to them. And they recognize like, Oh, they're talking uh, as long as they think that they're actually one person. So even in the culture, they treat them as one person, but really it's a story about language, about colonization, about uh, exploration, about truth and what it is and what happens if a culture discovers how to say something other than truth. Uh, Cause that, so this, these people are very interested in the fact that humans can lie because they legitimately can't. So they have an annual festival where they try to tell lies and they bring in humans to like show how it's done. Like they give them a blue ball and they're like, this is an orange square. And everyone's like, Whoa, it's amazing. And then someone (laughs) gets up there and goes, this is blue. And like, that's all they can say. And everyone's like, oh, good job. You didn't say ball, right? Like, So, I mean, it's great. Yeah, it has funny moments. It's deep. It's about family. And he's one of those people that when it comes to the world building, he just throws you in. He doesn't explain a bunch of stuff. So he'll just use words and you learn from context what they are. So it takes a little bit of patience, but actually really compelling, interesting I felt, have you ever read one of those books where as you're reading it, you're like, is my brain opening up to new things? Mm. It felt like that, where you're like, whoa, what are we even talking about right now? Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed it a lot.
2: I've only read his Perdido Street Station, but that book was similarly incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely worth He's your time. He's one of those authors that does, long-time listeners know this is what I love, right? Aliens that are legitimately alien. Oh, yeah. They're not just, like, Vulcans or humans with pointy ears who are serious all the time. No. Right? Like, um, he creates aliens that are truly alien and that they don't experience reality the same way we do. Um,
0: Right. And, And in the best kind of cultural SF, it creates cultural change for everyone when two cultures come into contact. Hmm. Which, which is really interesting,
3: and not what yeah. always happens here in reality.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: How about True. that? So. All right, friends. Well, this has been our episode on the Oscars. Uh, we'd love to hear what you thought of the ceremony. What your favorite film of the year was. And what you, especially what you thought of me and I, if you've had a chance to see it. So uh, we'll be back next week with another great conversation. Until then, take care of yourselves. Get shot if you can. Are yeah. we all two-shotted now? Yes. Yeah, there we go. So we've all had our second shot. I know we've heard people are, are a little leery, but we've all done it. So um, get out there, take care of yourselves, and uh, keep, keep, uh, keep being vigilant. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.